0: Standing for the reading of the Word of God. Would you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 4. We'd like to read verses 1 and 2 in unison this morning. That's Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, and reading in unison. Give me a moment to get there. Once more, Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, and reading together. Ready to begin. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, take your words, Lord, take these two verses, and may they come alive in our hearts and lives this morning. We'll thank you for it, Lord. We look look forward to the fruition of this day. Lord, uh, I pray that, Lord, you would bless in the preaching of thy word, both here and then with the junior church downstairs. In a few moments, we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Revelation chapter 4, it's actually our sixth message in this series of messages that we wanted to start on Sunday nights a few months, a few weeks ago, called Revelation, The Final Lap want you to notice two words. We have our text verse, of course, is verse number one. But uh, the text, our words, of course, that we want to focus in on are the first two words of the chapter. After this, after this, I looked. John the revelator, John the 80-year-old prisoner on the Isle of Patmos in the Mediterranean. John the disciple whom Jesus loved. After this, I looked, and behold, a door... Was open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were, it wasn't a trumpet, but it was as as it were a trumpet, talking with me. He that had ears to hear, let him hear, and he that eyes to see, let him see. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be, notice the things which must be, let me say that again, things which must be hereafter. After this, after what? After Notice that we see that in Revelation 4.1 we see an order. Revelation is the book of order for the record, and we, we have an, a series of events. After this, after this, big things are ahead going forward here. Big things are. uh, There's a whole new world coming, whole different world. Not uh, and uh, there's an everlasting existence to all that's uh, within this sound of this voice and everybody else as well in this world that don't 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 hear this voice. This after this, this is not the end. We are not just here today and gone tomorrow and no more. We are here today and forevermore, one place or another, either eternal place called heaven or eternal place called hell, forever and ever and ever. And this is after this. This morning, I want to deal with the subject of what's after this. Well, the answer is, I could tell you succinctly, it's in Revelation 4 verses 3 uh, and beyond to Revelation 22. It's the period of time after this in the context it's a period of time that we know of as a seven-year tribulation ter- period of time of great tribulation. It's a length of time that comes after the catching away. And I want you to know there's going to be a rapture, a catching away, and we want to look at this, this morning. The, the premise of my message is I want to give you the AEIOs and U's of a pre-tribulation rapture. Now, just for the record, there's many people that do not understand the rapture. There's many people that do not believe in the rapture. There's many Christians and other churches that do not hold to a pre-tribulational period of time uh, or pre-tribulational rapture before a seven-year tribulation period of time. But I want to give you this morning, because you're going to meet throughout the course of your lifetime. In fact, I just uh, 10 days ago, I believe it was, 9 days ago, whatever it was, I said hello to a certain Christian in in, uh, Torrington here, Connecticut, and um, they wouldn't come to our church. Once upon a time, they did come to our church. And once upon a time, they went to other gospel preaching churches, but they don't any longer. I believe they're Christians, but they no longer believe in a rapture. They no longer believe in a second coming, a pre-tribulational period of time. They no longer believe in a seven-year tribulation period of great tribulation upon the earth. Why is that? They have the same Bible we have, same Bible you have, and yet they don't believe. Uh, but I want to give you this morning in way of the A.E.I.O.s and use of the pre-tribulation, the fact that the Lord is going to come and catch away his bride before the seven-year tribulation period of time. And so in verse number 22 of the preceding chapter, let me read the verse to you, and then I want you to read the last word with me. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the Let's try that again. Ready? He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. This is a church. This is a called-out assembly. We just read about seven, in Revelation 2 and 3, seven literal, visible local churches in Asia Minor, of course. And we had actually four messages on Revelation 2 and chapter 3. And I want you to notice that we see in verse number 22, before we get to chapter 4, we see the word church or the word churches. We don't see it again all, all the way until Revelation 22 and verse 16. But I want you to notice the first day of the pre tribulation rapture is the absence of the church. The church of Jesus Christ, that's the true believers, the bride of Christ. Not everyone that's in the church is a believer in Christ. But the, what we call the true church, and I don't like that term, but that's another day for another hour. The little bride of Christ, those that are in Christ Jesus, will God bring with him. They're on their way to heaven forever and ever and ever. But there's the absence of the church. Uh, it's the, the, the A of a pre-tribulational rapture. First of all, it's, the church is a hidden mystery. Let me do this quickly without looking at the verses, but let me just uh, paraphrase, if I could, for First 1 First, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 25 and 26 talks about the church being hid from the ages previous. In fact, it says, Where have I made a minister, Paul said, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations but it's now made manifest to his saints. In the Old Testament, we call it the Old Testament. The Jews do not call it the Old Testament because they don't believe in the New Testament. They they believe in what's called the Law, the writing, of the Prophets, or the Tanakh. We call it the Old Testament, but they just called the Covenant or the Testament, of course, in the the book. And they don't believe in the New Testament. Many many. I'm, I'm talking in in. Uh, Broad terms, of course, people that don't know the Lord as their Savior in the Jewish economy. And they did not see God dealt with the the Old Testament saints, which were Jews in the Old Testament. And they did not see a parenthesis. But there's a divine plan of God for his people, Israel. But there's a divine plan of God for all of God's people. And we are in what's called the church age, or some people call this the age of grace. How long has the church age been going on? It's been going on since the Lord Jesus Christ uh, went to Calvary, of course, and was crucified rose again the third day. And then 10 days later or 40 days later, he ascended up into glory. And then we get Pentecost, obviously, on the 50th day of past the resurrection. And he ascends up into glory. And the church age or the age of grace begun nearly 2,000 years ago now. It's a hidden mystery, this absence of the church. But not only is it a hidden mystery, but let her be. It's hereafter not mentioned in this divine inspiration of God, this book of the Revelation. We read the word church again in verse 22 of chapter 3. We don't see the word again. By the way, we see the word church 21 times in Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3. Revelation is a series of sevens. And uh, seven times three, of course, is, tr- is, is uh, 21, obviously. 21 times we see the word church. We don't see the word again church until we get to Revelation 22 one last time. And it's this 22nd, and final time that we find the word church. In Revelation twenty-two sixteen. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto thee the things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. And so the message is this rapture, this absence of the church, is given to churches. Of those that have ears to hear, let them hear. Now we all have ears here. I don't think we have any deaf folks within the sound of this voice here. Um, we have physical ears, but as a church, we should have spiritual ears. And so we see the absence of the church. The church is gone from Revelation four and forward till Revelation twenty-two, and it's a hidden mystery. It's it's hereafter not mentioned again, and all the holy writ until we get to the last fifth the last verse of the word of God in Revelation 22 again in verse 16 but then we see the second we see the E the E of a pre-tribulation rapture we see the Exodus notice what it says in verse number 2 of our text and immediately I was in the notice spirit notice John said I he was talking to himself of course John was a saint of God he was one of the apostles of the Lamb he says, immediately, I was in the Spirit. And uh, I want you to turn back in your Bible, two pages in your Bible, probably to Revelation chapter 1. Look at verse number 10, a very key verse. John was in, was in the Spirit. I was in the Spirit. John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And behold, a great voice as, a, as of a trumpet. And he's going to hear this trumpet again, or this voice like a trumpet again, and we get to chapter number 4. But he was in the Spirit. I want you to notice two things. First of all, in regards to the exodus of the saints and of the spirit, I want you to consider the translation of the Christian. First Thessalonians 4 verse 15, "For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain shall be not prevent them which are uh, remain, pardon me, unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep." First Thessalonians four sixteen. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in, dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, of course. And we see this absence of the saints Um, the translation of Christians. The Lord said in John chapter 14, the night before his betrayal, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, the reason why I'm teaching this, one reason I'm teaching this message this morning is because there's Christians, um, more and more Christians that are are going away from Bible prophecy and a literal interpretation of the word of God, more churches than ever before. And there's churches that are mid-tribulation churches and churches that are pre-wrath churches and churches that are post-tribulation churches. Like the Christian that I met that once was a pre-tribulationist rapture Christian that I met 10 days ago, or that I said hello 10 days ago to. Uh, they are there now, they don't believe in any tribulation. And I'll get into that in more detail here in a few moments here. But we see that the Lord says in this pre-tribulation rapture, after this, there's going to be a translation of the Christian. Lord said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. God doesn't want us to be troubled. He wants us to be comforted, of course. And that leads me to my second point in regards to the exodus of the saints and of the Spirit. And that second point is it's the, there's the taking away of the comforter. The taking away of the comforter. Now, in John's Gospel, Jesus Christ called the Holy Spirit of God the Comforter. When the Comforter is come, he will teach you all things for the record. He will abide with you forever. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in fact, why don't you turn there, if you would, please, to the 2 Thessalonians 2. I want you to see these verses. We looked at them two or three times here in the last two or three months here. But look at it again, 2 Thessalonians 2. There's a taking away of the Comforter. The Bible says verse number 1 of chapter 2 second Thessalonians Now we beseech you brethren by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together the catching away the rapture the gathering together unto him that ye be not soon shaken in mind let not your heart be troubled or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter from us as the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day, what day? The day of great ju- judgment, the day of coming tribulation, shall not come except there come a falling away first in the man of sin, i.e. the Antichrist, be revealed, the son of perdition. In verses 4 and 5 talk more about the son of the Antichrist, of course. Now he's going to come on planet Earth. This is Marty Shot conjecture. I do not know this, and I could be wrong. This is not in the Bible, but I think that the Antichrist is probably walking on Earth today. There's many people that are a Antichrist. They're Antichrist. But there's the Antichrist that the Word of God speaks about in Daniel and Revelation, of course, here in this passage of Scripture, this classic passage of Second Corinthians 2 Thessalonians 2. And uh, the day, this day shall not come except there be come a falling away, verse 3, say, says a falling away first. Then we get down to verse number 7 for time's sake. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. This is A.D. about 45, when the, the book of Second Thessalonians was written. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he, he who now letteth, old English there, old, old King James English, he who now letteth or he hindereth will let or will allow until he be taken out of the way, who's until he be taken out of the way? I believe it's the Holy Spirit of God. And let me let me give you a, a cross reference verse. Let me quote you Genesis chapter three, verse or Genesis chapter six, verse three. In the day of the uh, before the flood, Jesus came to Jehovah God came to Noah, and the Lord said, My Spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he his uh, he also is flesh. And then the Lord gave a prophecy, Genesis six three. He said, "Yet in his days, shall, pardon me. Yet his days shall be in hundred and twenty years." God gave a timeline. He said, I'm not, I'm, "My spirit's going to strive with man, but not always. And in hundred and twenty years, the spirit's going to leave, and a judgment's going to come. And I want you to know, there's coming another day when the spirit's going to leave." As He dwells the uh, hearts and lives of every believer in Christ here, He we are the salt of the earth and light of the world. He abides with us. John fourteen says He abides with us in our hearts forever. He's going to leave, and He's going to operate like He operated in the Old Testament time, in uh, the restraining force of the Holy Spirit. Folks, by the way, you think this world is wicked now? Wait till the Christians get out of here. I'm glad I won't be around for that. Wait till the salt and the earth is gone or salt, salt and the light, rather, is gone. And the Holy Spirit is going to operate a dispensation like he operated in the New Testament, Old Testament times. In the Old Testament, he came down upon Saul for a time and season, but he left Saul. David, when he sinned his great sin, he prayed in his penitential psalm, Psalm 51. He said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Christian, we never have to worry about having the Holy Spirit be taken from us. We're sealed until the day of redemption. We we have we can grieve the Spirit, we can quench the Spirit, but we can't put out the Spirit because we he's abides with us forever. The Bible's very clear about that. But in the Old Testament, he's going to He's going to um, leave and he's going to come down like He did in the or pardon me in the tribulation hour, he's going to come down and cohabit with men that receive him as Savior, and we'll talk about that in a moment. So we see this the A of a pre-tribulation rapture is the absence of the church. It's a hidden mystery, and it's, it's hereafter, Revelation 4, 1, never mentioned again until Revelation 22:16. 16. We see the exodus of the saints and the sinners. We see the translation of the Christian, and we see the taking away of the comforter. But then we see the letter I. And I want you to notice back to our text in Revelation 4, the Bible says, Behold, I looked, and be, after this I looked, and behold, I, a door was opened up, and the first voice which I heard it was as the word, trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither. I want you to notice, thirdly, the imminence of this catching away, of the catching away. Notice how fast this event happens where he hears the word, Come up hither. Verse number two tells gives us the answer, and immediately I was in the spirit. Two things about imminence and the doctrine of imminence it's in a moment of time. It's immediate. We preached two messages, actually four messages on the resurrection chapter from 1 Corinthians 15 back several weeks ago now. And our text verses were verses 51 and 52. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. How fast? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. Paul said, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is what? Gain. He said, uh, to uh, have a desire demonstrate I mean, betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so we see this imminence of catching away. In a moment, John was translated up into heaven. It's in a moment of time, and then this imminent, this doctrine of imminence has to do, not only in a moment of time, but it has to do it's at any moment let her be on our worksheet. Now, let me spell this out so there's no misunderstanding, hopefully. There is no event that has to take place before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back in the catching away of his church. There, in, he could have came in 1970, but he, has, he, knows, he could have came in 1870 or 1570 or 1270, but that, that's talking with human logic. And the Lord knows exactly when he's coming back. We don't know when he's coming back, but he knows exactly when he's coming back, and he will not tarry, Hebrews tells us. And so, But this event in Scripture were to be waiting at any minute, at any moment, that the Lord could come back. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter three and verse three. If you turn back just one page in your Bible, look at verse three, speaking to the church at Sardis. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If thou therefore, or if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I come upon thee. In Matthew twenty-four, Jesus talked about coming as a thief in the night. He's going to come at any moment, an hour that you least expect. Uh, one of the reasons why I know the Lord's coming back soon is because there's a whole lot of Christians that believe that the Lord's not coming back soon. Uh, and uh, he says, oh, I've no, been, I've been waiting for the promise of his coming. And since the fathers fell asleep, he still hasn't come. Yet his coming is near. And so we see the eminence of this catching way. It's in a moment. It's at any moment. But then a fourth reason, the oh, of the AEIO and U of the pre-tribulational coming after this, why do I believe in a pre-tribulational rapture catching way? Because of the outline of the revelation. The outline of the revelation. Go back to, if you haven't marked this verse in your Bible, go back to Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 19. Let me just digress for just a quick second here. I've been reading my Bible more and more. In fact, this year, more than any other year previously in my life, I'm reading my Bible on my cell phone. Uh, I, I do it because I'm, I've, I've capitulated, because uh, I have large print on my cell phone. And, and this, 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 uh, I'll let you in a little secret. I have my Bible here, and I have these spectacles. But I have to print my notes in 14 font so I can actually see what I'm reading. And it just comes to old age, of course. And you people with glasses, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, but we have the outline of this book of Revelation, and uh, we see in Revelation one nineteen. Now I said that insertion just for the record. The problem with the cell phone is you, uh, you can mark it, but I like to have a book in front of me. I like to have a book, and I like to. I have my book, my Bible marked, and so I would encourage you to put a star. I would encourage you. I got red red ink. Revelation one nineteen is the outline of the book of Revelation. Write the things which thou hast seen. Let me spell this out. That's Revelation chapter 1. And the things which, thou, which, things which are. John's writing about 90 A.D. That's Revelation 2 and 3. And the things which shall be hereafter. That's Revelation 4.1 to the rest of the book. Now we'll look in the succeeding weeks from now as we continue our final lap of Revelation if we're still here. Go back to Revelation 4 and 5. And the events in Revelation 4 and 5 are a glimpse of what takes place in the future in heaven, the things that shall be hereafter. Revelation 6, we transfer back down to earth, as we'll look at in a few moments here. But we see this outline of the Revelation, two things about this outline of the Revelation, and back to the worksheet. First of all, it's logical in its interpretation. There's a rule in biblical, what we call hermeneutics, the study of the Bible, how to rightly divide the word of God. It goes like this, and you've heard it many times, you veteran Christians. When the plain sense makes common sense, seek no other sense. So when Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep, Jesus said, I'm the, he's saying, I'm in the door of eternal life. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? I'm in the door of heaven. We read about a door in our text in Revelation 4, 1 and 2, of course. And when the plain sense makes common sense, seek no other sense. Uh, I was reading, and I do this oftentimes and, uh, I, where I set the reset button in my study of God's Word again. I say, maybe I'm the one that's drank the Kool-Aid. Maybe I misinterpret. I don't want to misinterpret the Word of God at all. I, don't want to, I want God to teach me, His Spirit to teach me, and I want to be uh, not Marty Schott right, but I want to be Holy Spirit right. I want Him to direct my paths, and I want to really divide the Word of God. And so uh, as I study... I was taught pre-tribulationalism as a teenage boy, as a 16-, 17-, 18-year-old boy, Pastor Bennett, in New Line Baptist Church with his big charts. You folks, the old-timers, remember his big charts he used to have, and his dispensational charts. And he taught me that. And then I went to Bible college, and I learned it and so forth. And I, I'm a pre-tribulationalist. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, a premillennialist. I'm a dispensationalist. And... Uh, why am I that? Because the Bible teaches us, teaches us that. But, so I was reading this past week in regards to studying for this message uh, from a preterist, not a predator of children, but a preterist, uh, someone that believes that, uh, and as I was reading his article in regards to, a preterist believes that everything in Revelation happened in the first century. They say it culminated in 70 A.D. when Titus overthrew Jerusalem, crucified a million, one hundred thousand Jews. That's true. That happened. By the way, he besieged the city of Jerusalem for three and a half years. That's true. That happened. And the preterist says that John was writing, and, that, and, the, and by the way, the preterist, well, almost all preterists believe that Nero is the beast of Revelation 13. Nero, the, the Roman Caesar, of course, who died in 68 A.D., And they spiritualize, they allegorize, they mysticalize, they, they, what they do, they, they have a mythological interpretation of the Word of God. You see, the plain sense makes, when the plain sense makes common sense, think no other sense. I don't believe I'm going to a mystical, allegorical, mythical heaven. I believe I'm going to a real heaven. I believe that God's Word is true and every man's a liar. I believe that God's, Jesus Christ is the Savior and we're, we're, we're sinners. And uh, we're, we don't have the basic inerrant goodness of man in us. We, we need to have Christ into us. He's the hope of our glory. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. So, uh, Him alone we trust. Uh, and so we have this outline of the book of Revelation, which if we take it in a logical interpretation, we come to a logical conclusion that this, after this is talking about the future, talking about events in chapter 4 and chapter 5 in heaven, and then, Chapter 6, verse 1, and we'll get there in a moment in regards to uh, what's taking place on earth. And then letter B on the worksheet, the outline of Revelation, it's not only is it letter A, is it logical in its interpretation, but it's literal in its application. It's literal in its application. Let me do this very quickly, but it it needs an hour, but we'll try to do it in about 60 seconds. In Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, we have the prophecy of the 70 weeks of Daniel. Let me paraphrase a little bit, but... Daniel gets a vision for thy people and for thy holy city. Now, Daniel was a Jew, and the holy city is none other than Jerusalem. And seventy weeks, or four hundred and ninety years, were determined upon the city of uh, before the Messiah would come. And four hundred eighty-three years would advance until we come to the to the. When Messiah is cut off, or he's died, and Daniel says he didn't die for himself, he died for us, of course. And then, uh, then we have a final week, and the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. And in the middle of the week, in the midst of the tribulation hour. By the way, I just want to throw this in. Do you remember when we we were told we had there's 15 days to slow the spread? Remember that? That was two years ago. Now, now, now it just. Uh, you know, so the Antichrist is going to come on. and say, how did you jump to that preacher? The Antichrist is going to come on the scene. I'm getting to Revelation six and seven. He's going to come and offering peace, but he's a liar. He's going to change the rules as he goes. We get to Revelation the middle part of the tribulation period, and he's going to set up a false covenant, a false peace treaty with the Jews for three and a half years. But in the midst of that treaty, he's going to break that covenant. And this literal application of, of Scripture in the outline of Revelation, the Bible says that the events are coming in Revelation that's called in Jeremiah 30 and verse 7 is called the time of Jacob's trouble. This coming, Jacob is Israel. There's coming a day of Jacob's great trouble, a seven-year tribulation period of time. And then glance over to Revelation chapter 7, and I just want you to look at the verses with me. Just glance at verse number three, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And in verses four to eight, notice it with me as you glance down through it, it lists the 12 tribes of Israel, and they say how God's going to come down and he's going to anoint, he's going to save 12,000 Jewish male virgins, for the record, you say, who is he really going to save, preacher, in tribulation period? Are you ready? He's going to save 12,000 Jewish male virgins, single men. The Bible says so, I, you say, well, maybe it's just talking allegorically. No, I believe it's talking literal. The Bible says, God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. And these 144,000 witnesses are not, not Jehovah's witnesses, but they're Jehovah's true witnesses, not Jehovah's false witnesses. They're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature during the tribulation period of time, and um, so we see this outline of Revelation. It's logical in its interpretation, it's literal in its application. Then, bullet point number five: Are, are you, if in uh, the pre-tribulation rapture, is the unprecedented outpouring of the Lamb's wrath, the Lamb's wrath, the wrath to come? If you go to Revelation chapter 6 for the record, I just want you to look at three verses for introduction to this last point. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder. He's coming with thundering and lightnings we read about in earlier chapters of Revelation. And four beasts, and and one of the four beasts said, saying, come and see. And the first Beast that he saw was a rider on a white horse, verse number 2. And he sat upon him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to, be con- and to conquer. He's offering a false peace. This is the Antichrist that's coming into this world. And then we read about the second horse, the second rider on a red horse, verse 4. And notice that it says in verse 4, and there went another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat there, uh, there uh, on to take peace from the earth that it should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Notice the wrath of the unpouring of the wrath of the Lamb. When we think of a Lamb, we don't think of a wrath, but uh, the Lamb has been patient for 2,000 years. He said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But the Lamb is coming in with power and great glory the second time he comes. And I want you to notice A, B, C. Don't turn me off. I'm, I'm hurrying to the question, and we're going to spend a few moments there. But A, B, and C on the worksheet of this U of, of pre tribulation rapture, there's the unprecedented outpouring of the Lamb's wrath. First of all, those delivered from tribulation. We will be delivered from tribulation. We will not have any part of the tribulation period of time. The church will not go through any part of the tribulation. Now there's many people that believe that the church will go through a part of tribulation. Hey, anybody by the way have tribulation last week? I did. You probably did too. I had tribulation this morning. It's tribulation for me to get up in the morning, you know. And uh, pardon me. And uh, you know we have we have our hard times. We have persecution. All the godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But there's we're talking about a great tribulation such as the world has never seen before. And Revelation three ten. It says, speaking to the church at Philadelphia, because I have kept my word, the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to them that dwell upon the earth, or the earth dwellers. Hey, I'm not an earth dweller; I'm a kingdom dweller. My conversation is in heaven, from whence also I look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. This is part of a church. This is ecclesia, called out assembly. We are called out from this world. And I was called out, and I'm a saint. I've been set apart. I'm sanctified. And, uh, and Jesus is going to take me to heaven when I die, and, and, or when the rapture takes place. I'm going to be removed from this hour of wrath. And so we see those delivered from tribulation, it's the saints of God, it's the church of Jesus Christ, the true true bride of Christ. But then those delivered through, letter B, the tribulation, turn to Revelation 7 and just glance at verse 14. Uh, Revelation 7, verse 14, it says this, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest, he asked the question, who are these that are robed and made white, white by the blood of the Lamb? He's, they, they are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You have on your worksheet Revelation 7, 14 and Revelation 20, verse 4. The Bible talks about those that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. There's coming a day when, if you don't take the mandate, the mark, or the beast, Revelation 13. We'll get to there that you'll be beheaded. I know that's grotesque. I know that's disgusting. That's ugly and so forth. But that's what the Bible says. And uh, the day of day day is coming when that. But there will be those that will be delivered through the tribulation. But let her see. There will be those delivered to tribulation. In chapter 6, verse, the last two verses of the chapter, Revelation 6, the earth dwellers, So it, if the rapture takes place today, we're out of here. The, world is the, the trump that we hear is going to be a trump of celebration. Come up hither. The trump the noise that the world hears is going to be a trump of confusion. They're not going to have a clue what happened. You think CNN's going to give them the right news of what really happened? You think MSNBC or whatever is going to give the right news? No, they're going to lie just like they've been lying for since they've been in existence, and they're going to give fake news, of course, obviously. And but Revelation six sixteen and seventeen, when the wrath of God, the wrath of the Lamb, rather, starts to descend upon the earth. Notice what it says: they're going to cry for the mountains and the rocks to fall on us, verse sixteen, and hide us from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne. There, man's been hiding from God since the Garden of Eden. Man's not running to God, they're running away from God. And they're going to hide from him that sits on the throne and from notice from and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? Now, here's a question here and I want to give you, I want to spend a few moments here. Don't turn me off here. You say, preacher, we only got two fill in the blanks here. How can, can we know how close we are to this catching away. Now follow this, remember. Genesis 6, 3, God told Noah, my spirit shall not always strive with man. In 120 years I'm coming, judgment's coming. He gave a definitive time. Now Jesus said in the New Testament, no man knoweth the day nor the hour, right? is by my Father only in heaven. Jesus knows, by the way, when he's coming back. He's in heaven now. He, he, the kenosis took place, as we call it, and he... He put blinders on way he was on, face, uh, on planet Earth. That's why he could say, no man knows a day nor an hour, but my Father which is in heaven. Jesus purposely forgot, if I could say it that way in human typology. But he now knows when he's coming back. You can be guaranteed of that. And, uh, but I want you to notice that, uh, can we know the time? People say, we can't know. Another message. I think I would develop a whole message out of this, and maybe preach it on Sunday night or Wednesday night, maybe maybe Sunday morning. But the Bible says in Numbers fourteen, or numbers excuse me, numbers uh, twenty four fourteen. It is. Let me quote to you this verse. It says this: "And behold, and now behold, this is Balaam talking to Balak, the Jewish disobedient prophet, talking to Balak the." Uh, the uh, Midianite, the, the uh, uh, what was he? Ba- 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 or Balak, thank you. Did I say, ba- yeah, ba- Balaam and Balak. He was talking to Balak, excuse me. And Numbers 24, 14, Balaam says, and now behold, I go unto my people. What was Balaam? He was a Jew. I go unto my people, come therefore, and I will advertise thee what this people, or in other words, your people, Balak, shall do to my people or thy people in the latter days. The phrase, in the latter days, it's found 13 times in the Bible. All 13 times it's found in the New Testament. This is the first time we find the phrase, latter days in the, in the Old Testament, in Numbers 24, 14. It's only Old Testament. It's always in reference to Jewish people. In the 70th week of Daniel, the time of Jacob's trouble, it's called, the time of Israel's trouble, is when God will revisit his people Israel and the Jews, and the church of Jesus Christ will be taken out of here. And when we read down through, and I'd like to develop a message in regards to the other 12 times you find the word, the phrase, latter days in the Bible, let me just give you two or three of them quickly here and follow, hang with me. Deuteronomy 4.30 is the second time in Scripture. The Bible says, when thou art in tribulation, he's talking to the Jews, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days. If thou turn to the Lord thy God, and shalt be obedient unto his voice. Listen to these verses. Ezekiel 38, verses 8 and verse 16. Listen carefully. Third time, or fourth time, is found this phrase, latter days. After many days shalt thou be visited. He's talking to Israel. In the latter years... Thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people. Israel ceased to be a nation in in about 606 or 586 B.C. was the final deportation of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And for 2,600 years, they were not a nation. They became a nation again in 1948. That's correct. In May of 1948, they became a nation again. God gave the prophecy 2,500 years earlier that they would in the latter days become a nation again. Verse 16 of Ezekiel 38 says this, and thou shalt come up against my people of Israel. I mean, that's point blank. It's talking about the Antichrist and about the northern coalition of of, uh, Israel Jew-haters and of Christ-haters. As a cloud to cover the land, it shall be in the latter days I will bring thee against my land, saith the Lord. And... and, uh, so we, we see in Daniel chapter 10 another time. He says, Daniel ten fourteen. Now I am I'm come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people, the Jews, in the latter days. Again in H- H- Hosea 3 and verse 5, for sake of time, I won't read it. But Daniel twelve four says this, the last chapter of Daniel, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Now, two more verses, and we'll, we'll bring it all back together here and be done here. Revela- back to Revelation chapter four, v- verse number one. The Bible says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And let's go down to the very last part of the verse, saying and said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Where did we read that before? Well, let's go over to Revelation one one, and we'll end with this here and make a summation and be done. Revelation one one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God has, God gave unto him to show his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent his angel, sent it. Me, he sent it and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. We get to Revelation 4.1 and he wants to show. To his servants, things which must shortly come to pass. In the latter days, and let me just give you a tenfold, and we'll be done here in about 60 seconds. I'm going to pray. But we ask the question can you know, can we know how close we are? Well, the Bible gives plenty of ammunition to answer that question. If we were to study the scripture, we would find out that the time will be when almost all flesh is going to perish. Jesus said, Except those days be shortened, there shall be no, f- no flesh saved. There'll be, according to Daniel, a knowledge explosion um, at the end of the age. We're learning so many things so fast here. We, we're in a computer where we're, we're outsourcing man and everything's computer oriented and run. There'll be a day of globalization of world economies. We're going to a caster society, we're going to a one world bank. It's already here and we don't even know it. It's, going to, it's coming to America faster than we want to know. Global warming is talked about in the latter days, and I'm not trying to be silly when I say this. God says man wants global warming so bad, God's going to give it to him. And uh, in His own way, Revelation 16 verses 8 to 10 talk about that. Earthquakes and earth, hurricane canes. Revelation or Isaiah 2:19 and 21, just one of a number of verses. Famines and pestilence, the latter day prophetic fulfillments of uh, of 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 uh, Israel. Pop culture and feminism is a sign of the latter days. Hey, I just, I'm telling you, I really think this is, no, walking away from the pulpit one last time here, this is Marty Shot guesstimation. I don't think we're going to have the man president very much longer. I don't know how much longer it's going to be, but I, I don't think we're having a man president within a year from now. I think we're going to have a lady president and and the lady president's got another lady behind her and you know you all know who I'm talking about if you follow these things here and uh, we're going to be run by women no offense ladies bible says it's one of the plagues isaiah 2:12 don't get mad at me ladies i'm just two, isaiah 2:12 2, look it up yourself we're going to be run by children and by by women and uh, the men are not going to be found anywhere around there's going to be corrupt leaders gay rights is a is a, is a the thing that's coming to before God destroyed the uh, uh, man in the flood and, be, and, and Sodom and Gomorrah God had to uh, there, was, there was gays walking the land homosexuals walking the land and then last latter day prophecies about Israel Ezekiel 38 talk about it and so to answer the question in the last two fill in the blanks can we know how close we are the answer is we are in no doubt in the last days before the last of the latter days. In other words, before the seven-year tribulation. The clock has been ticking for a long time, and the midnight hour is almost here, and Jesus is coming again, and boy, I hope it's before the years that I would not hurt my feelings one bit, and all God's people said, Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, uh, coming again, coming again, maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, but we'll be soon. Coming again. Oh, what a wonderful day that will be to be translated, caught up in the spirit, caught up into heaven. Hear those words, come up hither, and immediately we'll be in the spirit and no more pain, sorrow, sickness, suffering, or death. No more tribulation, Lord, for we're delivered from the wrath to come. Thank you for this truth, dear God. We, we acknowledge that you're true and every man's liar. And so we trust your word, dear God, implicitly, completely, wholly. And Lord, we look forward to the day when we hear the shout and you come again to take us home to be with you. Help us to walk with you. We pray. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Page one twenty five, I think we sang it last week. We'll sing it again, one hundred and twenty-five. And let's sing the first.